Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. It's quite possible in the past six months or so, you've been among the millions of people who've had personal data stolen by criminals after three of the biggest hacks in Australia's history. Optus, Medibank and this month Latitude Financial have all fallen prey to malicious cyber attacks and they're just the ones we know about. Today, a data researcher on the thousands of breaches that are hidden from the public. My name's Jane Andrew and I'm a Professor of Accounting at the University of Sydney in their business school. Jane Andrew, it seems like almost every week there's news of another data hack. We've had the big ones last year, of course, Optus and Medibank. We've had Latitude Financial Services this year. There must be a lot of Australians by now that have had their data stolen. Yeah, so I think that's absolutely right. Um, in fact, I was caught up in both the Optus hack and the Latitude hack. Mm-hmm. So, so you're you know, an example of <laughs> yeah, of one person. That's my experience. Late yesterday, Optus realised its huge customer database had been compromised. Up to nine million current and former customers. Yeah, could health be insurer a- is warning: past and present customers may find their personal details leaked online. Now it's a Latitude Financial has revealed the full extent of its data breach with 7.9 million Australian and New Zealand drivers' licence numbers stolen. You know, I think in the case of Latitude, they're talking about something like 90% of the people that were breached had their driver's licence stolen, and but also Medicare cards and passports. As well as that information, there's also been more than 6 million customer records stolen by cyber hackers. Some of it... So... I think the thing that's interesting is that when you sign up for one of these services, let's say it's a financial service like Latitude, you probably just use whatever is available to you at the time to identify yourself. So Mm. if you're close to your wallet and you've got your driver's license, that's what you use. But if you, you know, happen to just use your passport, you might use that. And we actually don't remember what we give these organisations as our hundred sort of points for verification. Yeah. And I mean, with Medibank, of course, that breach, that's to do with people's health records. These hackers would know what medical conditions some of these people would have. So it's pretty serious. Very serious. I mean, really sensitive health related information around, you know, mental health conditions or access to reproductive health interventions, those kinds of things. And so the logic around that would be that you can hold that information and yeah, effectively blackmail the organisation to pay you some mm. substantial amount of money. And, you know, we saw in that case that some of that was slowly leaked. I know today there will be Medibank private customers who will feel exposed, embarrassed and fearful because of the deeply personal information that has been stolen and dumped on the dark web. They, they sort of allowed for certain tranches of that information to go into the public domain to signal that they were very serious about... If, if you don't meet our demands, we will make this publicly available, which is deeply distressing. We're talking about this now, but I suspect we've been caught up in lots of kind of data breaches that are historic that we're not very aware of. 
So there could be, what, loads of hacks that we just don't know about. What makes you think that? Yeah, so this is something that my um, research team, so I've got a colleague at the University of Sydney, Max Baker, and we're working together to try to understand organisational disclosure practices. So what do organisations do when they have suffered a data breach? Mm -hmm. So part of that work is to obviously look at what the law requires and the law does not require organisations to make a public announcement. And in fact, the law was only introduced in 2018. So anything that happened before 2018, which, you know, there was significant events before 2018, we have no idea about. Right. But from 2018 onwards, there's certain requirements under the law. But I mean, from our perspective, the law doesn't go far enough. It's not fit for purpose. So it requires organisations, if they themselves deem that the breach has the potential to cause uh, serious harm to an individual, they need to notify the regulator, which is the information commissioner, and they need to notify the individuals, but they don't actually need to make a public announcement. Mm -hmm. So that's, from our perspective, problematic because I think it's in making this conversation public that we all start to feel quite acutely aware of the risks that we carry when we enter into sort of digital kind of engagements with organisations that perhaps we weren't aware of maybe even two years ago, five years ago. I can see from the information from the Officer of the Information Commissioner, it shows around 2,700 breaches since the start of 2020. It's possible, yeah. That's almost three hacks per day. Mm. It's huge, isn't it? It is huge. And so if we think about what we've talked about, probably of the number that there was last year, we might be able to identify four of them. Mm. So that's worrying. Our team has had a look at the data that um, the Information Commissioner has been given that gives scale and timing but not the organisation's name. Yeah. And we've tried in our research to work backwards and try to identify the organisations and we can't. Right. So that's how little we know. So even if we use sort of all of the resources we have available to us in terms of looking at what's been reported in the media and so on, we can't work that out. And that's really concerning. Yeah, right. So there's so many that we don't actually know about. I mean, it's a complicated space because when we think about data breaches, it is important to say that a lot of data breaches are actually accidents. So, and they're relatively small scale, but they might be quite significant information. So it, that might be emailing. So I'm an academic. I might accidentally email my students exam results to the wrong person. That would be considered a data breach. Mm -hmm. And then there's the cybercrime and that, that we're paying a lot of attention to cybercrime and that's appropriate. But it is a complicated sort of terrain, those 2000 plus breaches. Some of them could be quite small, but significant. Mm. Guess we can all guess why companies don't um, want to tell us about breaches because it's not very good publicity, first of all, and it can get pretty costly, can't it, for the company? Which is why I think it's even more important that we have a sort of public regime. So it, it is just standard practice that the public's told. Mm. So I think the way that it's sort of functioning now is organisations tell us when it's so big that they can't not tell us. We would all just have a better conversation about these risks that we're, we're bearing, you know, to participate in the digital economy, which we're all forced to. There's actually no escaping it. 
we do need a sense of trust and it is fundamentally our data, you know, and, the, and it's, I think it's been confounding to people that these organisations like Latitude had people's data from 10 years ago yeah, and they're no longer customers. It's like, why would an organisation keep that information about people for that long and not destroy it and not have an obligation to destroy it, particularly if you're no longer a customer? Yeah, right. They're keeping our, our sort of private information for a very long time and the government is having a review of this. review that my department has completed now has found that the Privacy Act is no longer fit for purpose and does not adequately protect Australians' privacy in the digital age. The department's report makes 116 recommendations for change and the government wants to know what Australians think about those... The Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus, what does he need to change in the laws to make this a better system? Well, I think as a starting point, Sam, I, I understand that moving from where we are to just saying all data breaches should be disclosed to the public is quite a big step. But I think one thing that could happen is that instead of the organisation determining whether the breach is likely to cause serious harm to an individual, that all breaches are, are notifiable to the regulator and that the regulator has the responsibility to determine whether that is a significant or serious risk to individuals. Mm. We're going to have a sort of a, a digital life that feels like it's our life, not a life that's always kind of at risk of being taken by somebody else. Mm. For now, though, with the status quo, we could be getting hacked right this very second, couldn't we? And you wouldn't even know it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. I mean, the laws have been slow, I think, in responding to what is a really rapidly changing terrain. And I also think that as a community, the, the positive things out of what happened with Optus and, you know, Medibank and Latitude is that we're starting to talk about it and we're starting to really articulate the fact that that data that these organisations hold is actually ours. You know, it's not theirs. So it's like we've lent it to them in order to be able to access a service. They have a duty to look after that. And there's lots of solutions to that. One is that, you know, organisations actually don't need to keep your driver's licence and your Medicare card. They need to cite it. They need to make sure you are who you say you are when you set up a bank account. And that's quite a simple thing to resolve. And I think that it would be wonderful in, in a future if my children have a future in which all of that that information is actually theirs and they just share it momentarily with organisations. They don't give it to them. Jane Andrew is a data breach researcher and a professor of accounting at the University of Sydney's Business School. The review of the Privacy Act released last month also recommended it be expanded so small businesses will also have to protect the data of customers. It also recommends that data be used in a fair and reasonable way. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. Over the weekend, catch This Week with David Lipson. He'll be looking at the unrest in Israel. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.